Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Today I want to minister on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Wednesday, we repented not only for ourselves, but we repented for every member of Harvest Church. We repented to the Holy Spirit for all the times that we ignored him and treated him like he did not exist. Can someone say amen? And then we also, uh, I certainly did, I shared a little bit of my story back in 1969 at 2.38 a.m., at 205 West Liberty Street, upstairs in Sister Catherine Hansbrough's bedroom where I tarried for the Holy Spirit and I got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. At 2.30 a.m. in 1969, it was an encounter that I will never forget. However, um, because of me not paying attention in church, I'm sure there were some things that were taught that I just, my mind just wasn't there. Maybe I was thinking about what I was going to do after service or maybe I was looking, you know, I was just a little young fella, teenager. Maybe I was looking across the church, you know, looking, trying to see if there was, a, you know, a little girl in the church looking at me where I could look at her. I, 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 you know, I really don't know. Or maybe I had certain plans, things that I, maybe I wanted to play basketball or practice or work on something. And while I was in church, I was thinking about that, wasn't really paying attention to what the pastor was teaching. Or I just allowed somebody sitting next to me who wasn't paying attention to cause me not to pay attention. I don't know what, what the situation might have been, but, but all I remember is that they placed emphasis on being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And that uh, you could do it whenever he moved on you or hit you. And because I paid very little attention, I was under the impression that the Holy Spirit was an it. Only to get into the word of God and discover that he's a person. He is a person. And, and I don't want to shake anybody's theology, but Jesus is not here. And, and when you call on him, he said he will answer, but, but his answer is not him coming. His answer comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on now. And when Jesus was here in the earth, I mean, the world was against him. But he's gone now. So now they're against his representative. They are against the third person of the Godhead. And so even some religious circles will tell you that you don't need him. And that when you were born again, that you got all of him that you needed. Hallelujah. Good God of mercy. But when you cried out to Jesus, it was the Holy Ghost who baptized you in Christ. That was a work of the Spirit. 
when you got filled with the Spirit, that was the work of the second person of the Godhead birthing you in the things of the Spirit by the Holy Ghost. Being born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit are two separate experiences. Can somebody say amen? How many of you are saved this morning? Wonderful. Ooh, that's almost everybody. I can preach a while. I don't have to give an article. But being born of the Spirit is not the same as being filled with the Spirit. And the only people who will tell you that you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues is somebody who's not filled and speaking in other tongues. Nobody who's filled with the Spirit of God, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, as the Spirit of God gives utterance, none of them will tell you you don't need it. The only people who will tell you you don't need it is the people who've never had that experience. I didn't say they weren't saved. They've never had the baptism to the degree that they have been so filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Can somebody say amen? amen? Go ahead and put up nugget number one. You're going to learn something today. Ready? Read. I mean, I really want to know this. It's not enough for us to say the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit is here. What does he do? And if he does something, Am I capitalizing on what he does? Am I doing something that I'm failing at that I could be successful in doing if I had his help? But I don't experience his help because I am ignorant of his ministry. And for you Pentecostal people, I want you to know that speaking in tongues is more involved about the Holy Ghost than you just speaking. Because I've heard people speak in tongues and act like the devil in the hallway. I know of experiences where people have spoken in tongues in one minute and the next 30 minutes or later, they cuss you out. Oh, Jesus. And they'll still tell you their field. And I'm not doubting that they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit is, if he has a ministry, then what is his ministry more particular? What is his ministry to us as Christians? Nugget number two. Ready? Read. He does what? Nugget number three. Read it again. Nugget number four. Come on, read that again. Nugget number what? Five. Ooh, that's a good one. Read it again. The devil can't have us because we've been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. That's why every time you fall, you get back up. 
That's why every time the devil come after you, God will snatch you out because you've been sealed. Nugget number six here. Well, I want to work with number six. Ready? Number six. The Holy Spirit fills the believer. And so the baptism in the Holy Ghost, we'll have time to really work it like I like to. But Apostle talks about in the book of Acts, he talks about be, being filled. In other words, it's not enough for you to speak in tongues just one time. And you don't have to wait to feel something to speak. As a matter of fact, you need to speak sometimes so you can feel something. Now let's look at the Gospel of Luke. Well, let's look at our foundational text that we've been using uh, the last few services. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at it quickly and then we'll, we'll run back over to, uh, to the doctor, Dr. Luke. Are you there? 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I charge you therefore, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Steve, preach the word. When? In season and out of season. But what about they looking at me strange? Preach the word. One thing, look at me like they don't want me. They want me to shut up. Preach the word. One if they look like they're tired and they're ready to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Well, what am I to preach? The word that you preach, it will convince. It should rebuke. It should exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Pastor Howe. The time will come when they will not endure the truth. But according to their own lust, their own desires. Why? Because they have itching ears. They will heap upon themselves pastors that they like. That will tell them what they want to hear. I do what I want to do, and when I come to church, I don't need you getting in my business. I love who I want to love, and I shack up with whoever I want to shack up, and I get with whoever I want to get with, and I say what I want to say, and I'll do what I want to do. I'm grown, and I didn't come to church for you to get in my business. And there's a whole lot of things, preacher, you can preach about in this Bible instead of preaching about something that's messing with my business. And that's why I don't like you. Because when you preach, you step on my toes. Then I have to strain in service to try to keep a straight face so that the people around me won't know that the word is dealing with me. So I have to try to act like I'm doing right and I'm living right and I'm comfortable. But I tell you, I can't wait till you give the benediction. Because I didn't come to church. 
for you to make me feel convicted. Can somebody say amen? amen? They will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be a turn to the fables of the modern culture. But you, Pastor Howe, but you, Harvest Church, but you, hit somebody so that I'm talking to them, but you, I'm talking to you. Hit them enough where they almost get mad. That's a, yeah. But, but you, the preacher is talking to you. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the preacher. But you be watchful in all things, enduring affliction, do the work. Paul is talking to this young pastor, Steve Howe, and he is saying, I know you're a pastor, you're a teacher, but do the work of an evangelist so that you don't become dead and backslidden and dried up. Because you can sit under teaching and get full of knowledge and get puffed up. And don't tell anybody about Jesus. But if you'll do the work, Pastor Help, of an evangelist, you'll set souls on fire for Jesus. Because only on fire Christians are soul winners. Your lack of witnessing is an indictment against your deadness. And so today, I stand here as a prophet of God and prophesy to these dry bones. The bones that tell nobody about God. To the bones that never pray, never read your Bible, and you're always dragging here late. You hustle your children to the sports activity, but you don't bring them to the house of God. I'm talking to you today. Because you have religion. But I don't know if you're still in good relationship with Jesus. Because if you really got Jesus... It's like fire shut up in your bones. You can't be that dead and have fire. And fire doesn't care about your personality. If you touch something that's hot, you will holler. And the reason you're dead, you have yet to plug in to a live current. And some of you need to take both of your hands and put it in the socket. Oh, Jesus. I know you came for teaching. 
But sometimes we need a preacher to set us on fire again. Misleading our children, raising our children the wrong way, where you're making other extracurricular more important than God. Then you wonder when they get a certain age, they don't want to come to church. You did that. You raised them, teaching them the most important thing is basketball and cheerleading and soccer games. And you get your tired behind up and you take them to practice, but you won't get your tired behind up on Sunday morning. Then when you get in trouble, you want God to move. Because trouble will come. And it's just good to know that when it does come, that me and Jesus are in a good connection. Please, please have a seat. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Only on fire, Christians, get other people saved. You can't walk around hurting humanity and never tell them about Jesus. How can you be on the job three years, five years, you sitting in the cafeteria talking with people who are contemplating blowing their minds out, and you sit there with the answer and say nothing because you're dead. Because you're fire for the things of God have gone out. Jesus didn't save you just for you to be saved. He saved you so that you would go and tell somebody. You don't have to know Genesis or Revelation. Just be willing to testify. Of what he's done because somebody needs to hear it. Come on, turn to somebody and smile. Say, somebody needs to hear what God has done in your life. My testimony won't move them, but yours will because there's something that God has brought you through that somebody who's in the, that particular storm need to know from you to hold on. I've been there. I've done that. But my God, he brought me out and he brought me in to your presence to tell you that everything, everything is going to be all right. But you got to be willing to testify. And it's hard to testify about God when all you think about is yourself. Please, please have a seat. I've gotten a little off script. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm just going to wrap it up. We're not going to get there today. I was in the back, and I said, how do you minister to a backslidden church? How do you minister to a backslidden people? Do you keep telling them that they're okay when they're not? Go, go to Luke. Go, go to Luke. This is as far as we'll get today. How much time do I have? I know the game's coming on. It used to be a time when uh, professional sports was in competition with the church. Now today the church is in competition with professional sports. It used to be a time when our children, in my lifetime, where your kids didn't do nothing for nobody on Sundays, And my children played sports. Some of them were all state. But the coaches knew on Wednesday, my kids come to Bible study. And Sunday was out of the question. What I was doing as a father, I was teaching my children while they could be taught that the things of God was more important than the things of this world. For the things of this world are going to fade and pass but the things of God are eternal. And how can I teach my children to value the things of God if as the parent they don't see me valuing the things of God? Not their mama, me. Because a father who doesn't value the things of God will produce a son that will not value the things of God. The Bible says everything produces. Preach, boy. Look at Luke chapter 18. I'm on fire today. Good God of mercy. I want to take my coat off and I want to take my shirt off and I want to take my shoes off and I'm not sure if my socks got a hole in it, but uh, don't look me all funny. Some of you know what them big old toes were. I, I'm not alone. L look at Luke chapter 18. I thought I'd give you that just before we really do this. Because you're going to find yourself this morning in this room and our e-church. Are you in Luke chapter 18? <clears throat> Let's look together. I, I'm... I'm I really want to deal with verse 12 and 13. But, but Dad Hagen, when he was teaching us, he would always, sometimes he'd go and read a few verses prior. He said, for full import. And I don't know what full import mean, but he said it sound good, so I'm saying it. For full import, I guess for understanding, let's back up to verse number 10. 
verse number nine. Also, he spoke this parable, Jesus, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men, how many? Two men went up to the temple to pray. How many? Two men went up to the temple to pray. They had a group of women that was praying here yesterday. And they said the glory filled that north edifice like you wouldn't believe. But two of them went up to the temple to do what? And one Pharisee, one a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, verse 11, stood and prayed. What was his position? The Pharisee, he stood and prayed. The Pharisee, he stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you. I'm not like the person who's sitting next to me. I know they're not living right. I saw them on Facebook. I heard what they said. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast. All the fasters are laughing. I fast. Twice a week. You know, to try for 21 days. I fast. Twice a week. Every week, he says, I fast. At least two times a week. Jesus. I give tithes of all that I possess. Come on, say amen, you tithers. He says, not only do I fast, but I honor God with the tithe. I don't steal. But all this praying he's doing, he's standing up. And the tax collector who also went up to the temple to pray. But he was standing afar off. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Who said that? Jesus. 
for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself So Jesus was saying in this parable, the instant an unsaved person prays, God, be merciful. In other words, the Pharisee was just religious. And religious people are foot. Have you ever tried to help somebody who was full of pride? I mean, there's no verse of scripture you can speak that they can't finish. You ever notice that? You just say the and they'll finish it. You say uh, they'll finish it. You say water, they'll finish it. You ever notice, you ever notice people who are full of pride? There's nothing they don't know. Anything you say, you know, oh, I did that. Oh, I've been there. You ain't even been out of this. Kansas City city limits. But when you're full of pride, you got to always be on the top. You got you to always be right. Can, can, y'all getting quiet on me. I must be, let me work with that. And notice Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. What is Jesus saying? That the person that acknowledges that they are a sinner and need a Savior. The door fly wide open for them to be saved. Not tomorrow, but right then. I, I had this question. I, I, I had this, notice in verse number 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of, of all my possessions. Look at verse 13. And the, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be, be merciful to me. So, you, you need to hear this. So it's clear that the Pharisee, the Bible says that two men went up to the temple to do what? So it's clear that the Pharisee, who was just religious, that God did not hear his prayer. It would be safe to say that his prayer didn't rise any higher than the ceiling. The man who tithed and the man who fasted at least twice a week, he prayed and God didn't hear him. But the tax collector who didn't tithe, who didn't fast, who was cast in the category like fornicators and adulterers. He prayed and God heard him. I want to give you 10 seconds to thank God that he heard you when you prayed.
I'm going to give you two more seconds to thank God that when you cried out to him, that he heard you. Some of you were in a club or just left the club. Some of you were in the crack house or you were drinking or half drunk. But when you prayed, God heard you. Some of you were in bed in a hotel. But when you prayed, God heard you. Why did God hear one man's prayer and not hear the other? Because the one man was praying with a proud heart, proud as a peacock. And the other man was praying with a heart and a spirit of brokenness. And how do you come before the Lord? Do you come before him like he owe you something? Or do you approach him like he's got something that you need? And without it, you can't make it. Bless his name. Let's go to James chapter 4. I don't know of any one thing that will hinder your prayer. Well, one is I know is unforgiveness. But I don't know any other thing after unforgiveness that will block your prayers like pride. Now, I don't play with pride because pride can disguise itself in a whole lot of different ways. Uh, perhaps it was my greatest challenge was pride. And my pride was anchored from poverty, not just anchored from poverty, but it was anchored from rejection. And I said as a little boy that when I grow up, there were just some things I was never going to tolerate or deal with anymore. And so I had, you. some of you know this, I've said it over the years, I had this favorite saying that I started saying, oh, I guess, I know when I became 17, because when I became 17, you all know the story, uh, my father raised me. And at 17 years old, I came home from ba basketball practice and I found him dead. And then I really discovered how people really were. I mean, all these folk, all these drinking buddies, God was teaching me a lesson. All the folk that I knew would be there. And even in this old shack that I was raising with my father, before I could get back to kind of straighten things out, somebody in the neighborhood ramshacked the shack. Had to be somebody that knew him. But God was teaching me a lesson at 17 years old. And then I started saying this thing that I thought was right and made me feel good. I said, I don't need nobody. I must have said that a million times. I don't need nobody. I'll get it myself. I don't need nobody. I'll get it myself. 
I just got called on the carpet. Have you ever been called on the carpet? Right while you testifying? I mean, just right there, I got called on the carpet. Because I came to a place, I'm sorry, where I stopped saying it, but I didn't stop acting like it. I got called on the carpet just right there. I wasn't saying it anymore, but I was conducting my life like I don't need nobody. And I want you religious folks, just Jesus. But Jesus is going to work through people. And so out of my poverty, out of my environment of rejection, I built this wall up. It's not that I didn't need anybody. I just knew if I made myself vulnerable to somebody for them to get the impression that I need them, they might hurt me like other people. So I conducted myself and I verbalized that I don't need nobody. And the thing that helped me build the wall was pride. And that perhaps was one of my hardest obstacles to overcome in my Christian walk. Because just to say that you need somebody makes you vulnerable. And when you're full of pride, you can't say it, not even to your spouse. And I'm here to tell you today, you can be a fool if you want to and think it'll be the same without them. I'm talking about if you're married right. Now, you, some of you laughing, but God's not in, God's not in every marriage. There's situations where God didn't put you together. God don't put you with somebody that's going to beat you. Come on, the devil is alive. God's not putting you with a man who's going to be beating you. And God's not going to put you with a woman, brother, where she's going to be beating you. Ain't nobody saying nothing, Lord, but it's all right. Are you in James chapter 4? Look at verse 6. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now our five nuggets Say this with me. The penalty has been paid so that I don't have to pay it. Now, now look at verse 13 again. Go back to Luke chapter 18. Perhaps the only Gentile writer in all of Scripture. Luke chapter 18, verse 13 again. Look at verse 13. 
Luke chapter what now? 18 verse. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. And then he confessed what he was. You see, you can't get delivered from something until you call it what it is. See, you can't get before God and say, God, you know. No, tell me. Tell, because he wants a confession. Your confession is part of your deliverance. They said an alcoholic can't get delivered from alcohol until they first acknowledge and declare, I'm an alcoholic. Now we can deal with it. Because you can't get free from something that you're denying that it exists. Is this good? So my question again, why was his prayer heard and the, and the, the Pharisee, his prayer was not heard? And notice that Jesus, Jesus said, this man stands delivered, set free. What he asked Jesus for, Jesus granted it to him. Now, my question is, how could Jesus hear this tax collector's prayer when he said, Lord, have mercy on me? For I am, how could he have mercy on him? The reason Jesus heard the man's prayer is because Jesus at that point was on his way to the cross to pay the price for all sinners, not just you and I, but to pay the price for the sins of the world. That's why he heard the publicans, not the the publican, but the tax collector, that's why he heard his prayer. Because he was on his way to pay the price for his sin. He said, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. So the key to getting saved is first acknowledging that you're a sinner. So I said, well, I'm a good person. You're just a good person sinner. Because that's what religious people do. They, they, they gauge salvation on their works. And you don't get salvation by works. If you get salvation by works, then all you have is religion. So you think if you keep good, doing good things that God will owe you something. And that's what the world say. Well, do you love Jesus? Well, I don't know, Jeff, but, but I try to be a good person. And, you know, I do good things. And to tell you the truth, Reverend, uh, when I look at some of the folk that go to your church, my life is better than theirs. But them being saved at Harvest Church has nothing to do with their life. It has to do with his life. Are you listening to me? 
So the publican, the tax collector, he acknowledged that I'm a sinner and I'm going to stay in trouble if you, Jesus, don't save me. You all know the story where Jesus shook up the religious world. He told uh, Zacchaeus, he said, uh, 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 come on down out of that tree. And Zacchaeus was in the tree because there was a crowd around Jesus and Zacchaeus was a short man. Now, don't be upset with short men. Short men have money. Some of them sisters, I'm adjusting my profile now. <laughs> short men have money. Okay. <laughs> All right. Most of the broke men, them, them tall, handsome, all the women slobbering after. Short men have money. <laughs> Some of you look at me like, mine don't. <laughs> Please. Cut it out, cut it out, ladies. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe he's not short. <laughs> let's, let's get saved. Let's, let's get saved. So when a person gets saved or cry out to God for help, the Holy Spirit immediately, say immediately, he immediately affects a five-fold work a five-fold work in a believer. And those were your nuggets today. Number one, the Holy Spirit regenerates the believer. Number two, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer. Number three, the Holy Spirit does what? Indwells the believer. Number four, the Holy Spirit seals the believer. Was that number five? Well, no, it's a five-fold work. The, whole, the Holy Spirit seals the believer. Number five, he fills the believer. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time. I, I want to deal with this. The Holy Spirit regenerates the believer. Um, let's, let's deal with this number five. He, he fills the believer. I think this will help you. Because there's a difference between indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I'm saying that the moment a person gets saved, the, the, let, me, let, me, let me make sure I, I got you right. The moment that a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit indwells them. And I've made the statement that indwelling is different than what? Than, than infilling. Help me. Uh, this platform is... All, all of this is my house. 
this whole state, every, every, this is my house. But this is the living room. Um, Minister Baird, would you come in, in, in my living room and uh, sit right there in my living room? Relax yourself in, in my living room. Now, I've invited him in as my guest, like you invited the Holy Spirit in. But I designated, I instructed him to sit right here. Ooh, Jesus. So now I go on about my business, and then after a while in my house, I come under conviction. I'm under conviction because I've invited him into my house, but I got busy, you know, walking by him. Matter of fact, on occasion, I even forgot that he was even in my house in the living room. And so I come back to him and I say, Holy Spirit, uh, I don't want you just in my, my living room, but, but, but I want you to enjoy the, the whole house. Just, just enjoy. Yes, just walk around. Enjoy the whole house. Stop right there. Some of you, the reason your life is so challenged, the Holy Spirit is just in the living room. And he wants to go all over, but he's a gentleman. God is not the author. And he's not an intruder. So he only came into the living room. Are you all getting this? That's all you did when you got saved. When you got saved, you invited the Holy Spirit in your living room, and he's just sitting right there. But he wants to do more than just indwell. He wants to, but he has to be invited to fill every space of your house. Now, 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 somebody said, well, do you get more of the Holy Spirit? When you got saved, you got him. So somebody said, do you get more of the Holy Spirit? No, you, you, you got all of him. But when you invite him to all these other areas of your life, he gets more of you. And when he gets more of you, you start walking straighter. You stop lying. You stop cussing like you used to cuss. You lose your taste for alcohol. You are instantly delivered off of drugs. You start, you stop acting nasty. 
You come under conviction when you don't treat people right. You start forgiving people and loving people that you used to hate. Because he, the Holy Ghost, is encompassing your life. Your marriage is instantly fixed. Somebody say, without a counselor, he is your counselor. You can't hold unforgiveness when the Holy Spirit has got all of you. You can't stay mad that long when the Holy Spirit's got all of you. You can't step on people to try to get ahead when the Holy Spirit got all of you and you can't stay home on a Sunday morning because it's 13 degrees when the Holy Ghost. Thank you, sir. You can stay away because he doesn't have all of you. You got him stuck in the living room. When he wants to be in the bedroom, the living room, the attic, in the garage, in the basement, in the den, in your prayer room. Look at Acts chapter 2 and let's close. Matter of fact, the Holy Ghost is done. Lift your hands to God. Bow your heads just for a moment. You're here today, twofold. You've never invited Jesus Christ into your life. The Spirit of God is talking to you. Today is your day to give your life to Jesus. And then there are some you have experienced the indwelling. You got it, the Holy Ghost in the living room, but you've yet to experience the infilling. To allow the Spirit of God to fill your person, your soul, your spirit, your essence with so much of himself that your personality becomes his and his personality becomes yours. That's the only way you can love people who really haven't been nice to you. And not just say you forgive them, but I mean really forgive them and wish them well. Only the Holy Ghost can do that through you. If you would just only give him permission to leave just where you told him to sit and give him authorization to walk all through the house. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information 
Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening. 